0: Here, Let's go to our ring announcer.
1: Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go Beyond the Bell. to Just like that. Just like that. Here it comes, 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 coming at ya. So pick it up. Yo, you better catch ya. The bad boys are back on the block. The top, we won't be stopped. We're no one improved. and got the grand who Bump it up, bump it up, and raise the roof. It swings, swing, swings. Like the mighty thought, You need to pull at the fantastic force. So pick it up, bump it up. The bad boys and back. Those are blowing up the place. Yo, you better catch. Still slamming the pumps because we're coming at you. We're no one improved.
2: Middle of WrestleMania season, and we continue with WrestleMania month here on Beyond the Bell via the SNS radio network. I'm your host, Sean Beckerman, back with you as we take a look at part two of the stories of WrestleMania, the stories behind WrestleMania. In part one, we turn back the clock to look back at WrestleMania's 1 through 14, and now in part two, we look at 15 through 27. So get ready, fans. The stories behind WrestleMania coming up here on Beyond the Bell. We'll kick it off with WrestleMania 15, a superstar was gunned down. The WWF Brawl for All tournament was either the smartest or dumbest idea of 1998 for professional wrestling. The idea was to take a bunch of WWF's mid-card stars, stick them in a tournament that would combine boxing, shoot fighting, and Mixed martial Arts to see who was legitimately the toughest man in the company. So yes, despite the fact that men like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker were running roughshod over the competition, this was the event to see the toughest wrestlers in the world. Amidst the WWF's campaign, though, it was well known that the company was lobbying for Dr. Death Steve Williams to emerge victorious and receive a major push heading into WrestleMania 15. There was just one problem, though. And his name was Bart Gunn. Gunn was a Southpaw who formed one half of the former tag team champions, the Smoking Guns, during the mid-90s. But he hadn't done much of anything since. After floundering as part of the new Midnight Express, Gunn was set to take on Dr. Death in the second round of the Brawl for All. In one fell swoop, Gunn landed a stunning knockout and killed the last push Dr. Death would ever receive on major North American territory despite the Oklahoma gimmick in WCW. In fact, he would kill his own career in North America in the process. Despite marching through hard-nosed Bob Holly, Dr. Death, and finally Bradshaw, en route to being the toughest guy in the World Wrestling Federation, he was booked into a one-sided boxing match against the devastating Butterbean. Though Butterbean had long been a novelty boxer, he was still far more serious and in tune than Gunn had ever been heading into WrestleMania 15 terrible matchup so instead of a potential rivalry between stone cold and dr death we were treated to a first round knockout in just 30 seconds that silenced the bark on train forever though he would later be revered in japan gun became the poster boy in the united states for a horribly failed idea that admitted just how tough quote unquote some pro wrestlers can be
3: let me say this and i'm sure that everybody can agree with me, there have been a lot of stupid things done in professional wrestling. I mean, for example, you know, the last two years of WCW, it was pretty much weekly, and I think everything that they did was probably stupider than the brawl for all, but I have to say that when I look back, there's been specific incidents or maybe finish of a match or just a promo that came and went or something that the WWF did that was stupider than the brawl for all, but as far as an ongoing thing that did more damage to their business, that did more damage to the talent, that didn't work, and that went on for so long, the brawl for all probably, I would say, would take the prize for the stupidest thing that the WWF has ever done. Now, I know that that opens me up that everybody's going to say, oh, now here he's going to unleash 15 minutes of I hate Vince Russo, my, my colleague at TNA." <laughs> and it was Vince's idea. And it was a stupid idea, but you know, a lot of people have had stupid ideas. Everybody has stupid ideas. I've had stupid ideas, but n- you know, nothing, nothing like that that ever went on that long and et cetera. But when you think about it, it wasn't the fault of the guy that had the idea. It was the fault because a lot of stupid ideas get talked about and then shot down. But it was the the fault of the guy who runs the company. So we got to go back to my other friend Vince, Vince McMahon, who actually. he wasn't on drugs I'm pretty sure Uh, he wasn't under extreme mental duress at that point otherwise than the ratings and the fact that business was down it just basically he allowed something that was so stupid that could have been seen on the surface of it that wasn't going to work and was just going to lead to disaster he allowed it to go on his television so I vote for Vince McMahon as being responsible here was the concept for those folks who are too young or who have What do they call it when you get that syndrome where you put a horrible memory of abuse or violence out of your mind? Well, whatever it was, for the people who have forgotten it, let's talk about the brawl for all. (laughs) They had this concept where they were going to take guys on the roster, anybody that wanted to sign up for the thing, and they were going to have what amounted to a glorified tough man contest where the guys would get in there and wear boxing gloves and basically have a tough man fight, and it was going to be an elimination tournament, and it was going to be a shoot. That's right. They were actually telling the guys to get in the ring and beat each other up for real. And the winner of the fight, to make sure they tried, would get $5,000 and continue on for a big prize, right? Overlooking the fact that there was a lot of great athletes and a lot of tough guys in the WWF, but they had not been in training for competition they had been in training for performance, which the unathletic people who constructed this, and Kevin Dunn was in it too. Can't forget my old friend Kevin. The unathletic people who constructed this had no fucking clue that that's a recipe for disaster, but also the fact that they put not only underneath guys who may have not had a spot, who were trying to get over and wanted to get a break any way they could in the thing, but they also allowed cop guys who wanted to enter it to be involved in it. Not many did, but one guy who we'll talk about in a second entered it because he felt he could win it and should have won it (laughs) and went on to disaster. So when I heard this concept I said to him, I said, wait a minute, now these are from the people who brought you sports entertainment. I said, now wait a minute, used to we got in the ring and we worked with each other, but we made people believe that we were really hurting each other and they bought tickets. Now for the past several years You have basically beaten the fans over the head with the fact that this isn't real. It's all fake. It's all scripted and choreographed. And you pretty well now have gotten down to the last few people in the world that haven't heard about this. So everybody thinks everything we do is phony. And now that they think that, you're going to put the guys in the ring to really hurt each other and shoot, and the people aren't going to believe it anyway because you've told them for the past several years it's all phony. Are you following this logic, Tommy? Absolutely. Okay. And they looked at me with straight faces and like I had smoking turds hanging out of my mouth and said, well, okay. yes, because it will be a shoot, overlooking the fact that nobody was going to fucking believe it. So anyway, they start out with a thing, and, and we talked about last week, Bart Gunn and Bob Holly, I believe, were in the first round, might have been the first fight when they were supposed to be the new Midnight Express, so thankfully
2: that, that euthanized that gimmick. In WrestleMania 2000, we saw the Jericho Shuffle. In his latest book, Undisputed, How to Become a World Champion in 1,372 Easy Steps, Chris Jericho details one of the better stories to come out of WrestleMania's past in the last couple years. For you see, according to Jericho, he was supposed to be in the main event of WrestleMania 2000. Mere months after debuting, Jericho was scheduled to be one of the main event players in the Fatal 4-Way Contest with McMahon in every corner for the WWF Championship. He was getting paid like a main eventer, and the crowd was solidly behind him. So it only made sense that Jericho hit the big time with a big match on the biggest card of the year. But, for whatever reason, that didn't happen. The most logical and likely of explanations is that Jericho, who was scheduled to be the fourth man in a match that also included the Big Show, The Rock, and Triple H, wasn't warming up too well in the locker room. The boys in the back, particularly Triple H, were none too happy with his antics on screen. Though Jericho had made a living for the previous 5 or 6 years as a whiny heel that did childish things and belittled all of his opponents, that type of heel wasn't going to fly at the WWF level. Unfortunately, by the time Jericho began to turn the corner, it was too late all of the press materials that had been produced with, Jericho, with Jericho's likeness were replaced with that of McFoley, who had quote-unquote retired and wrestled his last match less than a month earlier at No Way Out. Though Foley had no intention of going on full-time after his crazy Hell in the Cell match with Triple H, he was brought in for one last shot at the big time in the main event. Foley lasted only half the match, finding himself ...as the second man out behind the Big Show. Triple H inevitably won the contest... ...retaining the WWF Championship. Jericho, meanwhile, was demoted... ...to a triple threat two out of three falls match... ...with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle... ...that had two titles on the line. Despite the caliber of names on the marquee... ...the match did not steal the show... ...and Jericho's win, which saw him take the European title... ...would be overshadowed when he dropped the title the next evening to Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero. Jericho would not compete in the main event of any pay-per-view until 2001. It was the 2001 edition of The King of the Ring, nearly 15 months later. He would headline at WrestleMania just nine months after that.
1: Continental Championship, but you've also got bad breath and a terrible case of B.O. Look at the gold around Kurt Angle. It absolutely disgusts me what he does to the WWF gold. Now, I realize that I made a bid to put up a title in a triple threat match against Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, but this is ridiculous. That I not only have to put up one title, but I now have to put up both of my titles. The first ball will be...
0: Title, the second fall for the Intercontinental title. Triple threat rules. Oh no! Angle trying to use the belt on Jericho. Yeah. Y2J with a championship title that okay. had ahead of and went to Benoit. And what the heck? Bob Backlund. Where did Bob Backlund come from? And Angle just almost like Jericho's head with a title belt. Hey, Mr. Benoit, get your hands off my belt. Come oh, on! Oh, Angle just tattooed Benoit right in the front right between the eyes. belts, that's Ready. how I feel Oh what a matchup that's going to be a Wrestlemania Jericho, Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit two fall title match with triple red rules this Sunday at Wrestlemania
2: WCW is DOA Wrestlemania 17 when world championship wrestling folded capably into the hands of Vince McMahon in March of 2001, the wrestling world shook as the Monday Night Wars ended The fate of WCW was up in the air, and with just a week to go until WrestleMania, it appeared as if one of the biggest stories would be who from this company could make their debut on the grandest stage of them all. With a street fight scheduled between kayfabe WCW owner Shane McMahon and his father Vince, the creative team began churning out ideas as to who could perform the run-in that would cost Vince the match. While the biggest names in the company were first thrown out, many failed to realize that McMahon had already sent them packing or wasn't about to sign them. So the original proposal, ironically being Jeff Jarrett, was scrapped. The second idea that came up was for Paul Heyman to encourage Shane Douglas to get involved instead. Douglas, who had made a living as the franchise in ECW before coming over to WCW, was still very much bitter about his treatment in the previous tenures with the WWF and outright refused to do it. He would appear in the stands with the rest of the WCW talent during the event, but wasn't even outed by name. The final proposition was for Booker T, the last WCW World Heavyweight Champion, to run it and actually cost Shane McMahon the match instead. Believe it or not, the World Wrestling Federation axed this idea because they honestly did not know where to go with it from here. So instead of promoting a WCW revolution on the biggest stage they had, the creative team spearheaded a plan D. Linda McMahon, who had been acting as a vegetable for the past several months, the vegetative state, would rise out of her wheelchair and cost Vince the match. Though the crowd reaction was immediately positive for this decision, it would be a sad foreshadowing of things to come as the potential WCW invasion was thrown out by the wayside in favor of the McMahon family squabbles the perfect beginning to the storyline would have been kicked off at WrestleMania 17. Instead, WCW was DOA. Shane McMahon is on Nitro!
0: What in the hell is he doing?! Shane McMahon showing up on Nitro was more shocking to me than Eric Bischoff showing up on Raw. What's up, Vince? That was a big surprise
4: when Shane showed up on Nitro. No doubt about that. Your ego has gotten the best of you. Team Shane with that nitro logo might have been the
5: strangest thing that i never thought i'd see in our industry
0: the deal is finalized and the name on the contract does say mcmahon however the contract reads
1: shane mcmahon
2: The N.W.O. changes the plan at WrestleMania 18. Heading into WrestleMania 18, the W.W.F. reintroduced three men to the audience that would once again help revolutionize the industry. Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Ash, collectively known as the New World Order, the N.W.O. They were on their way to the ring just one month prior to the biggest show of the year. Meanwhile, Triple H secured himself a spot in the main event, and both Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock were without any definitive plans. And then, there was Chris Jericho, who despite being the undisputed champion, never seemed to be a lock in the position. With the addition of the NWO, fans and wrestlers alike began to wonder of the fate that would befall all of them. Initially, It was planned that The Rock would face Hogan and Austin would face Hall while Kevin Nash would inherit the title from Jericho and take on Triple H. Rock and Hogan went full steam ahead, but Austin and Hall hit several roadblocks. The largest issue was that Austin did not want to work with Hall, citing his reputation as a worker and politician backstage backstage, as reasons for such. So the plan was put in place to have Austin take the title off of Jericho and battle Triple H for the gold after No Way Out. Hall and Nash would be rewritten into a tag team match of sorts. When No Way Out was finished, Jericho still had the title and Austin would go back to working Hall. The next night, it was planned that Nash, the only one without a match, would take the title and face Triple H. A Triple H-Kevin Nash main event? Not for another year. As Nash didn't even compete on the WrestleMania 18 card. And all went down with Jericho still taking on the game. Still, the rewrites made, you believe, that the once powerful NWO had all the power of backstage politics in their group. The
6: WWF is going to die. I know that. The WWF... has cancer because of rick flair flair's gonna kill it and the kind of cancer flair gave the WWF is the slow eating kind of cancer it's not quick I'm not gonna let Rick Flair kill what I created. Me. The WWF is mine. It's mine. I created it. I'm not gonna let Rip Flair kill what I created. Because I'm going to kill what I created I'm gonna kill it! I'm gonna kill my creation! I'm going to inject the WWF with a lethal dose of poison! If anybody's gonna kill my creation I'm gonna do it! Me M-W-O.
2: Safe go in stereo at WrestleMania 19. Around the time of WrestleMania X7, the WWE looking, they were looking to make a huge impact with WrestleMania by booking some of the biggest venues they could find. Only a few manias in the past decade have exemption status from seating over 50,000 fans and those include names like Madison Square Garden. But while the WWE was making big venues and big cities sell out, they picked an oddball candidate in 2003. Seattle Safeco Field, a relatively new stadium designed to host 81 Seattle Mariners games per season, was selected as the host of WrestleMania 19. The choice would turn out to be the most difficult the company had made in years. As behind the scenes, things were unraveling, Rapidly, Though it had a roof structure attached, Safeco Field was, for all intents and purposes, an open-air outdoor venue. The WWE had only put on one outdoor WrestleMania to that point. It was under the heat of Las Vegas, Nevada for WrestleMania 9, which we discussed. Now, 10 years later, technology had evolved, and wooden flats or cardboard stages simply would not do it. Attempting to brave the elements, the WWE immediately had to battle a weather forecast that called for typical Seattle rains. That was an easy fix for the company, electing to keep the dome closed during rains so as not to detract from any facet of the event. But the sound and video boards were not nearly as fortunate as the massive venue struggled mightily with the WWE style use of pyrotechnics, lights, music, and video. In the end, a lot of technical aspects from WrestleMania ended up flawed and the company had little recourse on the matter. It was, overall, a spectacular wrestling event that delivered on all fronts, but from a standard of good show quality, it was something of a miss. As a response to the growing concern that the company wasn't ready to handle the big venues and their ever changing products, the next three WrestleManias returned to their roots. Wrestlemania 20 was already scheduled to take place in Madison Square Garden, but the inclusion of the Staples Center in 05 and the Allstate Arena in 06 were much smaller choices for an event that could easily draw 60,000 people a year. So safe go field. May the WWE play it safe for Wrestlemania's to come.
7: We as athletes breathe every breath of our careers for nights like tonight for nights like Wrestlemania. Wrestlemania to me is everything. Wrestlemania is called the granddaddy of them all. And you stand on the
8: grandest stage of them all. It's that time of year when you're on the card at Wrestlemania that you stand before millions of people and you stand before your peers and it lets people know that you mean something.
1: Wrestlemania is the Super Bowl of professional wrestling.
7: That's the uh, World Series of wrestling. It's like the Olympic Games, the gold medal match. It's the tournament of all tournaments. Wrestlemania conjures up so many memories of so many special moments. So many great events, so many great matches. The very first Wrestlemania, I watched it on TV and I had goosebumps then, just as I've had every single Wrestlemania that I've that I've
4: had the privilege and honor of working at. Wrestlemania 3, 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silver Dome. I got Andre the Giant over my head and I body slammed him. The wrestling world stood in awe. WrestleMania, it's fever, man.
7: There's really that X factor and intangible I can't explain. You just have to feel it. It's a feeling you really can't describe. It's an adrenaline rush every single time I step through that curtain. I don't care how many times you've been still something that you can't help but be in awe of. It's a
9: time to shine and to take that spotlight and make it mean something.
1: WrestleMania is the time to give a career performance that no one will ever, ever forget.
7: WrestleMania to me is the culmination of all my hard work, all my dedication, all my sacrifice to simply be the absolute best the industry has ever, ever seen. WrestleMania to me
1: is the most important match of my life, something that I've lived for. For the last thirty-something years, my favorite WrestleMania moment has yet to be seen. This master's this event, means everything to
7: me. Tonight's the night the dreams are made of.
1: WrestleMania is the chance to live forever.
2: At WrestleMania 20, we saw MSG One: Lesnar versus Goldberg Zero. It should have been the biggest match in the history of WrestleMania, by all accounts from the build. It was going to be. Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg was a dream matchup of two of the greatest brawling powerhouses the business had ever seen. Each had a meteoric rise to the top and was seen as an unstoppable winning force, so the battle was a natural moneymaker. WWE had been teasing the battle for months Showing backstage vignettes with both Lesnar and Goldberg That eventually led to physical confrontations Costing both men championship opportunities And so, the match as booked for WrestleMania 20 And to make it even more extravagant affair Stone Cold Steve Austin was put in as special guest referee Certainly, having two of the biggest stars in the business Clash with one of the faces of the industry as the referee Would go over well, right? One of the biggest stars of all time Stone Cold Steve Austin referee Two of the biggest rising stars In wrestling history Going one on one Combating each other It's a dream match right Enter the crowd from hell Better known as the Madison Square Garden Old faithful The true quote unquote Old school wrestling fan As the clinical definition of smart marks The MSG crowd was always Rambunctious And they were always a crazy and smart audience that didn't do what the WWE told them to do. They openly cheered Psycho Sid in his rampage against Shawn Michaels. They welcomed Taz in a gallant and overwhelming fashion in his debut against Kurt Angle. These were the smartest fans in wrestling, and they certainly weren't going to let the WWE pull the wool over their eyes. Case in point, especially with Survivor Series this past year. It had come to the light via the internet and the dirt sheets that Goldberg's one-year WWE contract was coming to an end and that he had lost a lot of popularity since his debut. Goldberg had no intention of continuing continuing his in-ring status and wasn't about to give it his all. Lesnar, on the other hand, had already grown disenchanted with the whole experience of sports entertainment and was looking to pursue a professional football career with the Minnesota Vikings. These two competing factors left little to be desired after such an ultimate match was booked. Then the match actually happened, and matters were even made worse. Lesnar and Goldberg teased actual wrestling for far too long, posturing to one another while the crowd went from bitter and unwelcoming to totally chaotic. I was there sitting in a box seat. It was stunning how the crowd took over this match. The only cheers that came from the MSG fanatics were ones after Stone Cold Steve Austin took out both men. Neither wrestled in the WWE ever again, and no WrestleMania match has been so critically panned since.
0: Goldberg going downstairs, and Goldberg... Oh, oh what a snap, Ooh. swinging netbreaker by Bill Goldberg on Brock Lesnar. And now Goldberg sitting perhaps for one more opportunity at the spear. Ready for this, Lesnar, You're on the bottom down! The impact, the slobber knocking smear, the cover, and- What? And Lesnar kicked out at two, and Goldberg got the count. I thought that was a three count myself. Well, Austin is telling Goldberg it was two, whether Goldberg locks it or not, that's the way it's gonna be, I think. Believe me, you're not gonna change the mind of that stubborn rattlesnake, Goldberg. Oh No, Lesnar now. Maneuver. the F5, and this is going to be it, the hook of a left, and oh, Goldberg, Goldberg kicks out. Austin had that same cadence, that same count that he used on Goldberg. You're right, it looked like it was over there. Wait a minute, Well no, Le- no. Le- Lesnar's trying to tell Austin that that was a three count. Austin's giving Lesnar two fingers. it could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. Was three, Lesnar now complaining as Goldberg And to slow count. After the F5, Goldberg has the opportunity now to switch about him and, and Lesnar. I think Lesnar struck at, ooh, that ring post to the shoulder. The oh, spear, another spear. The spear by Goldberg, almost freaking Lesnar in half. How resilient will Lesnar?
2: Hollywood Dream Match, WrestleMania 21. Since coming in as head writer of the WWE creative team, Brian Gurtz has gotten a lot of flack. Not every idea Brian developed was a success. In fact, a lot of them stunk to high heaven and gave fans complete and total headaches on Monday Night Raw. But for every poorly executed skit and over-the-top rope challenge, Gerwitz delivers a gem worthy of noting. WrestleMania 21 was one of those times. With an abundant supply of wrestlers still looking for something to do around the time of the year, which is very common each year, especially this year, Gortz took the advantage of the glitz and glamour of WrestleMania 21 and developed a ladder match that would change the face of the company. No, not the Money in the Bank ladder match, but instead the Hollywood Dream ladder match. The idea was simple. High above the ring, some kind of object or symbol would hang while a number of superstars attempted to grasp it. The man who finally pulled down the object would be granted any single wish they wanted from WWE. It was their dream fulfilled, so to speak. And when the concept came about, Goertz planned to have none other than Mr. Monday Night, Rob Van Dam, be victorious and Usher in a return for ECW. But as plans are made, they can go awry in an instant, as we know. And they did just that when Van Damme went down with a knee injury that required reconstructive surgery. RVD now required almost a year of rehab, thus scrapping the star of the match from competing. With the assistance of Vince McMahon, the contest underwent reconstructions of its own. McMahon wasn't high on the dream idea, quote unquote, and instead consulted Gewurz to make it a contest for a title match at any time in the next calendar year. When Gortz presented the final idea of a six-man ladder match for such an opportunity, McMahon agreed to it as long as the item hanging above the ring was a briefcase holding the championship contract. And so, out of the ashes of the Hollywood Dream match, we received the Money in the Bank ladder match. Edge would go on to defeat Chris Jericho, Shelton Benjamin, Kane, Christian, and Chris Benoit during the stellar match that would become a staple of WrestleMania for the next five years. Though there are no plans to feature another such contest at WrestleMania, there were rumors it was going to be brought back. For this year's WrestleMania, the Money in the Bank ladder match did spawn its own pay-per-view and collectible playset. Not too shabby, huh? RVD, meanwhile, would seek and get redemption by winning the second Money in the Bank ladder match just one year later. He would win the WWE title from John Cena and be the leader of a new ECW revolution that brought on the land of the extreme as a third WWE brand. And now, the Wrestlemania Recall
0: Only one way to win, that's to climb the ladder Retrieve the briefcase And you have won yourself a title match For any time up to one year this match is so dangerous. No pinfalls, no submissions. Oh! no disqualifications or countouts. It is a human demolition derby, and what these men are putting oh! themselves through is a testament of how badly they want the chance to be champion. Amazing athletic ability. Oh, oh! 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 The crash and a burn. Oh my God! Man, damn him! Can he do it? He got it! Man, oh, yeah! damn! April second, 2006. Raw can they be called Mr. Money in the Bank?
2: That was the WrestleMania Recall. The three amigos, Batista, Guerrero, and Mysterio from WrestleMania 22. When Batista took down the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 21, he started up a new era of face that would take the WWE by storm over the next few years. At least, that was the plan. But after Batista jumped to SmackDown, the climate again changed and Batista now had two new friends that were legitimate threats to his kingdom in Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Both men had been working for years to elevate themselves to the status that main event players were earning, and now they had it within their reach. Guerrero, a former WWE champion, began working with Batista in a series of matches designed to put over Latino heat in a manner that wouldn't make the animal look weak. Meanwhile, Mysterio's year-long rivalry with Guerrero gave the WWE great numbers and action and seemed like the blow-off match could really make bank. That was the plan all along. With numerous paths to choose from, WWE creative was looking towards a Mysterio-Guerrero match that would put the World Heavyweight title on the line, while keeping Batista relevant with a high-profile score to settle against the the up-and-coming Randy Orton. Two matches of that caliber would bring SmackDown a double-barreled evening at WrestleMania 22, while Raw booked headlining acts with John Cena and Triple H. It all seemed so simple that nothing could possibly take away this moment. But then, on November 13th, 2005, just at the inception of the WrestleMania build, Eddie Guerrero tragically passed away in his hotel room. All plans, tentative, or tentative or confirmed either way, were put on hold, and it was suddenly up to the company to book Batista and Orton for the title, while finding a new way for Mysterio to honor his fallen friend. A tribute match between he and Benoit was discussed at some length before the next disaster, when Batista took the first major injury of his career. Now, both matches on the SmackDown side were a distant memory. Mysterio became the go-to guy while Orton fell behind the curve for nearly two years. Though he was always on top... Or on the top rung of the ladder, Orin, along with Kurt Angle, would become the fall guys for the unlikely championship reign of Mysterio that began at WrestleMania 22. Months later, it would be one of the worst-written and produced championship reigns in it, of any in history, arguably. But you can't really fault the WWE for that, with all of the rewrites and booking changes that went into the event. It's a miracle Mysterio wouldn't also be sidelined, at least at the time.
1: A wrestling machine raising trouble raising trouble raising trouble no what an off drag counter off drag Mysterio's the new champ. At 15 years old, Rey Mysterio began wrestling in a small church in Mexico. 16 years later, his journey culminates, winning the championships on the grandest stage of all, Wrestlemania. Oh my God, what a match we've witnessed, Cole. I'll tell you what, major big ups to Kurt Angle and Randy Orton, and congratulations to that man right there, Rey Mysterio. The late great Eddie Guerrero Cole is looking down upon Ray, and he's so proud of his amigo, man. God, I'm so happy for Ray, man. Ray Mysterio showing tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that if you dream hard enough, if you work hard enough, if you bust your ass night in and night out, dreams will indeed come true. Ray Mysterio is the world's heavyweight champion. Beside himself, he's emotional. He's way mysterious. His children, and, and, his blood. Blood. and, and this is phenomenal. I this is phenomenal. Beside myself, myself, I am shocked that Mysterio is leaving WrestleMania 22, the new world heavyweight champion. Let's take a look at how quickly this matchup ended. There's the 619. And watch the amazing West Coast pop. Orton lands on his Bam! right on the back of his head. One, two, three, we got a new world champion, Mysterio. And a 17,000 strong. It's been a long time, and there is Chavo Guerrero, and Eddie Guerrero's widow, Mickey, congratulating Rey Mysterio. They said it could not be done, they said it would never happen, but at 165 pounds, Rey Mysterio has won the World Heavyweight Championship.
2: In WrestleMania 23, MVP becomes a real MVP. From his, his auspicious debut in the fall of 2006, from his aus- from his inauspicious debut in the fall of 2006, to his atrocious costume, Montel Vontavius Porter was a hard sell for fans coming into WrestleMania 23. With a pretty fresh gimmick, taken mostly from Jerry Maguire, MVP was an elite caliber athlete with an inferiority complex and a penchant for dealing out slams. But the MVP character needed a lot of work and ability if he was going to be keeping up with Chris Benoit at WrestleMania. After all, the most notable things about MVP to that point were his inflatable entrance tunnel and goofy get-up, prompting fans to chant Power Ranger at the new star. In the ring... He was still rather green and didn't have a lot established when he was thrust into a feud for the United States Championship. Certainly, he was being fed to the Wolves, and such was the feeling before he wrestled Benoit midway through the card. The company-wide belief that was, if he couldn't be semi-decent here, he'd never get a big push anywhere. See examples like Drew McIntyre, Shelton Benjamin. So, with bright lights and pressure on, Porter showed he could play like a true MVP. He kept up with Benoit quite nicely and even earned a warm crowd response for his showboating. Though he lost the match, he showed incredible growth as a wrestler and ring psychologist, earning him a number of rematches that would continue the feud deep into the next few months. Eventually, MVP overcame Benoit and went on to be the longest reigning United States champion of all time. Such a feat was bestowed upon him for his diligent manual work. A rarity coming out of that era that buries more prospects than it does build them, Though the MVP train would derail a little, le- little less than a year later, he still had a remarkable campaign in 2007 that came directly from WrestleMania. He established that he could be a ratings and ticket draw while coming across more professional than anyone had ever expected. A shame, then, that a planned world title program was scrapped after he was found to have a heart condition and perhaps more importantly, His biggest selling point, beating Benoit cleanly, couldn't be discussed on television anymore. The fireworks fiasco at WrestleMania 24. I was there to witness it. As WrestleMania 24 was drawing to a close and The Undertaker stood supreme, things were just heating up in the stands. As the fireworks exploded throughout the Citrus Bowl, a hot cable designed to carry streaming pyrotechnics down a wire snapped and launched into the audience. Then the fireworks went off in the stands, injuring more than 40 people. How and why the cable snap remains one of the greatest mysteries in WWE history, mainly because the company was incredibly tight-lipped on the matter. Some were treated with minor abrasions and injuries and then sent home while a small few experienced burns from the stray pyrotechnic display. It would actually be the first of two separate incidents in two years involving The Undertaker and fireworks, though this was the only one to occur in the stands. WWE's corporate side took over, launching a full-scale investigation on the issue. Though no results were ever fully disclosed or documented, it is the belief that the company settled several small suits out of court with ticket compensation, merchandise, and medical payments rounding out out-of-pocket change for McMahon, and that the company laid the blame solely on the Citrus Bowl and not their own technical crew. Accidents happened, and this one managed not to bruise the WWE's ego too harshly. WrestleMania 25, a true anniversary? In 2009, with the 25th WrestleMania helping the WWE reach an unprecedented milestone in pay-per-view event history, Vince McMahon decided that the event simply couldn't be big enough. And so, McMahon decided to forego logic, reasoning, and common sense by dubbing the event not only WrestleMania 25, but also the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. A note to all you mathematicians, historians, and listeners, of the English language. In order for something to celebrate the 25th anniversary, an annual event must be taking place for 26 years, not 25. So even though it was the 25th Wrestlemania, the silver anniversary wasn't actually due until Wrestlemania 26. But to Vince McMahon, it was like saying that you were one, or a one-year-old when you were born. And it was incredibly bold. And it was really a yeah, it was basically a bold move to market the event so much that we weren't even calling it WrestleMania 25 on television. Instead, commentators, announcers alike were instructed to refer to the event as the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, even though every single one of them knew this was to be false. Ironically, had it lasted as long or had been as successful, the only notable 25th anniversary that year for professional wrestling wouldn't have been WrestleMania. It would have been for Starcade. But talking about the legacy of Starcade, and the stories behind Starcade, should be done at another time, and they'll be coming up on future Beyond the Bells. For now, we'll stick to the story about a company of minions who dare not to explain their, to their boss that 25 and 26 were different numbers. That's not how anniversaries work. Brett's family to the rescue at WrestleMania 26. Bret Hart is no longer a wrestler. He's no longer physically in any sort of condition or shape to wrestle and the mere thought that he would enter a ring to compete with another wrestler is simply foolish so when it came time for a showdown with Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 26 fans anticipated just how it would go down what they didn't see coming was the WWE pulling a fast one and extended the dialogue and rules of the match to such extremes that there was hardly a payoff worth writing about or even talking about first Vince McMahon brought out Hart's family and the Hart dynasty in an effort to show the odds were in his favor. Then, Brett turned the table, showing that his family would never sell him out as they sat at ringside, and his brother Bruce remained in the ring to referee the encounter where Brett would pummel Vince for several minutes. It was an—it was easily one of the worst matches of the year, and ended quite mercifully when the entire Hart family helped to lay waste to McMahon and Brett slapped on the sharpshooter. Though the Hitman was once again on the rise, fans begged the question, why the sudden change? Did WWE lose faith in Hart? Was Vince micromanaging the situation? Was the surprise running canceled? The truth is far simpler than all this, for the WWE had planned the talking segment and Brett Brigade escort from the very beginning. They even cut Rey Mysterio's match with CM Punk down to six minutes to ensure they had enough time for these shenanigans. Truth be told... They were doing everything in their power to make Brett feel comfortable getting in the ring and feel like he was truly okay for a recovering stroke victim to do. Brett was hesitant to participate in the whole thing, and the company felt like he might pull out of the situation if it appeared too dangerous. So precautionary measures were taken to plot out the entire sequence weeks ahead of time. All that was left to keep Bruce around Brett just long enough so he could stabilize the hitman. It's a shame that such a... Popular and infamous storyline or rivalry from real life taken into the ring was ruined in a very atrocious, overbooked match.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. hell froze
3: over. Vince McMahon, I want you to come down here
6: and see me face to face. No one calls me out. If Brett wants to have a public discussion, then we'll do to my terms. I'll call Brett out. Brett, I'm asking you uh, to beat a better man tonight. And, and I really want to hear what, what you have to say. I'm hoping, Brett, that you start with two words. I'm sorry.
0: I came here tonight to bury the hatchet and find closure to this whole thing that ever happened. And I feel like I'm halfway there right now. You know that you want this as
6: bad as I do. You're right. I want it just as badly as you do. I'd like to personally thank you for your all of your contributions to the WWE. I'd like to thank you for every thrilling moment that you gave the entire WWE Universe. And lastly, I'd like to thank you for being the best there is, the best there was the best you ever voted.
2: And we'll wrap up this edition of the Wrestlemania Stories with Wrestlemania 27. Edge wrestles his final match and retains the World Heavyweight Championship. Edge was slated to take on Alberto Del Rio for the World Heavyweight Championship. His buddy Christian by his side to combat Alberto Del Rio with Ricardo Rodriguez. What was surprising initially was the match was kicking off Wrestlemania 27. A world championship match kicking off a Wrestlemania. The first time that's ever happened. But that was not the most historic note of the match. What none of the fans knew, Edge fans, or WWE or Wrestlemania worldwide, knew that this was going to be Edge's, Adam Copeland's last match inside the squared circle. Suffering neck injuries prior to his career, Edge found out from doctors that he was no longer in proper condition to compete, and doing so would be a risk not only to his future career, but his life. So in turn, Edge wound up wrestling his final match, which possibly could have changed storyline, the ending of the storyline, as I believe Alberto Del Rio was slated to win the World Heavyweight Championship, a culmination of winning the Royal Rumble two months prior, But instead, Edge was put over Alberto Del Rio, and all of us were questioning the decision until the next night on Raw when Edge announced his retirement from professional wrestling. What a way to end your career winning and retaining the World Heavyweight Championship at a WrestleMania, and then this year being inducted into the 2012 WWE Hall of Fame. Mm
9: Edge came in young, kind of wacky and crazy with uh, Christian. They were a great tag team, a very innovative tag team for this company. They revolutionized tables, ladders, and chairs. Their innovation changed how we look at TLC now. Edge hasn't changed from the guy he is from day one he's walked in there. He's a guy that always meets you with a great smile and a handshake or a hug and goes out there night after night no matter what kind of pain he's in, no matter how tired he is, and gives the fans 100%. I'm proud of Edge for accepting what the doctors have told him, for remembering uh, how important life is, and leaving uh, our industry at the very top. He's an 11-time World Heavyweight Champion. That's a monumental accomplishment. I think anyone that's at the elite of their profession that's forced to retire early, its it sucks. There's no other way to explain it. He is a superstar.
5: hard to put my finger on. Uh, there's so many thoughts, there's so many things that I think about it. It's a tremendous loss for the company, for the locker room, obviously for the WWE Universe, but more than that as a friend, I just want them to be healthy. Edge and I became friends because of the WWE. It was the, the very root of our friendship. As we started to move along through high school, we both realized that this is what we wanted to do with our lives. Now you're about to enter the hallowed Circle. This was the place. This right is here. where all the magic happened. And uh, this was the wrestling ring. These were like the ropes we'd go. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. We both wanted to to become transcendent into WWE superstars, and we would go to shows in Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. We'd just sit there and we just stare at the ring, and we would just say, "Man, one day we're going to be in that ring." And and um, you know we didn't know how or what we were doing, but we knew we were on some sort of journey. You know, it's just crazy to think back now of all the gymnasium floors that we slept on and ratty hotel rooms we slept in, we were driving, you know, eight guys to a car to, to make it to a show, but we were getting life experiences and we were getting experiences in the ring and things that were building character and making us into who we were going to be in the future. And like I said, we didn't know where this journey was taking us, but we were doing it together and that's, that's what mattered.
0: swirling all day long we've heard speculation that tonight the 11-time world champion has an announcement to make that will shock the entire wwe universe
5: it didn't really hit me till i saw him step through the ropes and i just started crying right away i said to myself after that i said you know what? I, I i cried my tears but i think i'd rather focus on being happy of the fact that he had such an amazing career lived out his dream, which so few people get to do. I want to come in and try and gain some respect. And I just knew that failure wasn't an option. There is going to be a piece of him that goes in the ring with me every night, now that he has to step away. Because unless you've experienced what it's like to step through those ropes, there's no feeling like it in the world. And that's the hardest thing to step away from, is those faces, the the sounds, the, the vibe that you get from being out there in front of the WWE Universe. From that, I'm going to take a little piece of him with me in the ring every time I step in the ring from here on out for the rest of my career.
8: He's in a situation where if he continues the life of a WWE superstar, he won't have much of a life outside of the WWE. It just caught lot by surprise. I didn't think he thought it was that serious. We, we never do. know you never put things into perspective until it's broken or until it happens i'm so thankful for him that he was able to speak in front of everybody and he was able to walk out under his own power edge is in its purest form a wrestler you know he he is a superstar but damn it he's just good in the ring (laughs) he always keeps a match log of how many matches he's had and i don't know what the total is but i guarantee i'm in at least 35 percent of we had so many matches together well, he cashed in the money in the bank the very first time elimination chamber in Albany and he won it a lot of people said that kid was nothing but a glorified tag team wrestler that he didn't have what it took to be a standalone main event player in this business and he shut a lot of people up
4: The fact that Edge has got to go because of an injury, I really have sympathy for the guy. If you're an optimistic person, you look at it like kind of Edge did, and your career was done in your own terms, and you know, you got to do this main event, WrestleMania, you've accomplished everything you ever wanted to accomplish. You're in the history books, most titles won by any WWE superstar in the history of the WWE. I was watching him in high school. October of 99 I had just left the Marine Corps and never been in a ring before and my dad took me to introduce me to Jack Lanza and Tony Guerrilla who were backstage in st. Louis at a show when I was first got my foot in the door and I met Edge and we talked and he wished me luck and I'll never forget that and now out of my top 10 favorite matches two or three are with Edge To summarize Edge's career, I have to say that he's a man in this industry that has been everywhere, seen everything, done everything, has no regrets, and can retire now, you know, injured or no injury. He can retire as a world champion, and he has the respect from not only the WWE Universe, but from each and every one of us.
6: That's the worst for a superstar. You don't want to be told that you can't do this anymore. You want to pretty much leave on your own terms and say, okay, it's my time to throw the towel and and live a good life afterwards. It's very sad because I I love Edge. He's a good friend of mine. And now I just wish him the best. He followed his dream because I knew this was a passion of his and a dream of his to become WWE champion. He's the one and only. He's a rated R superstar. The only thing I'm waiting for now is seeing Edge walk in to the Hall of Fame because he is a Hall of Famer. He's done incredible throughout his years in the WWE. You know, there's nothing that I can think of that he hasn't done. Now I just wish him the best in health and to hope see him one day in the Hall of Fame.
7: You know, it's it's bittersweet. Unbelievably happy for the career he's had, for the longevity he's had, for the things he's accomplished. He's had this amazing career. You know, Edge is not a guy that got anything handed to him. He worked for everything he had. He literally uh, put his body on the line every night to get it. I'm sad to see it end before you know he maybe wanted it to. Happy. see it end before it ended in another way that wouldn't have been so happy i'm sure he would have wanted it to end a little differently but i don't know your last match being a main event defending the world heavyweight championship at wrestlemania is a pretty good way to go when he just goes out there and he lets you see adam copeland you just can't not like the guy he's still like that little kid that just likes going out there and having fun in the ring and performing That's the best. You're just out there having fun, making 70,000 people stand up and scream, making people excited all around the world that that's what this business is all about. And He was better at it than damn near everybody.
5: Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
2: Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Stitcher is a leading mobile audio company that provides a revolutionary media service which allows audio content to be easily aggregated, organized, and shared on mobile devices. It features the most up-to-date and relevant content in business, sports, politics, entertainment, and current events from the media industry's premier content providers. By focusing on the growing market for mobile content distribution, Stitcher works to provide an innovative platform for listening to audio content on the go. You can download the Stitcher app on all smartphones via the Android Market and the iTunes App Store. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. The SNS Radio Network provides daily audio programming that covers professional wrestling and sports entertainment. All produced by JJ All Cap Sexy, shows include Wrestling News Live, the Pro Wrestling Rewind, Unplugged with JJ Sexy, and of course, the flagship of the SNS Radio Network, Sunday Night Showdown. The SNS Radio Network is streamed at Justin.TV, AudioWrestling.com, SNSRadioNetwork.com, Skype, and Google Voice. Basically, if you're not listening, you're not trying. Squared Circle Media. Jerome Willen provides Squared Circle Media to all pro wrestling fans. Squared Circle Media was designed to contain exclusive audio and video content. Squared Circle Media is proud to make episodes of Beyond the Bell and other pro wrestling audio content available to wrestling fans around the world. Pro Wrestling Ringside Radio contains news stories with analysis and opinions, and it is designed to be interactive by encouraging other fans to submit their own views of the top pro wrestling news stories. Pro Wrestling fans are encouraged to send in their thoughts from Live Raw, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling... Ring of Honor, and other independent wrestling events held around the globe. You can find all content from Squared Circle Media at www.squaredcirclemedia.net. RingAnnouncing.com is the official website of Ring Announcer Sean Beckerman. This is where you will find video, audio, and the latest schedule for the future of Ring Announcing. That's www.ringannouncing.com. All videos are streamed at the YouTube channel, also labeled Ring Announcing. The Jetpack. Hosts Sean Beckerman and Frank Zintel bring you The Jetpack, the brand new podcast dedicated to the New York Jets. The Jetpack airs every week during the New York Jets regular season. Each show will discuss last week's game, the game plan for next week, and much more. It includes audio and comments from Jets players and staff, Courtesy of NewYorkJets.com. You can find all archive shows at Jetpack.Libsyn.com and on iTunes. The Jetpack has blasted off fans. If you are interested in advertising on Beyond the Bell, email us at, btbwrestling at gmail.com and in the title, type advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell Revolution. It's go time! Wrestling fans. Thank you so much again for joining us for another WrestleMania-themed edition of Beyond the Bell Part 2 of the Stories of WrestleMania. I'm sure next year we'll have another edition, another volume of the stories behind the biggest event of the year, WrestleMania. Remember to tune in to all Archive shows in the month of March as all shows are dedicated to WrestleMania. Listen to shows such as the facts and stats of WrestleMania, the best and worst of Mania, as well as the WrestleMania Dream Card not to mention Macho Mania, the feuds of Macho Man Randy Savage. Don't forget to listen back to part one of the stories of Wrestlemania, and also we look at the 2012 Hall of Fame induction ceremony and the inductees into this year's Hall of Fame, and the impact they made on the world of professional wrestling, which coincides with the Horseman Files as we look at 1986, the inaugural year of the, induction, of the creation of the Four Horsemen. Also, we look at the streak of The Undertaker and my own personal WrestleMania moments as I've been a part of eight WrestleManias inside the stands, or in the stands, being able to witness the biggest event of the year. And also, we'll cap it off with a preview of WrestleMania 28, The Rock vs. John Cena. Don't forget, social networking, at Sean Beckerman on Twitter, like us on Facebook, BringAnnouncing.com like I mentioned at the top of our program, rebroadcasted, redistributed, and remastered for you fans. The all, the brand new, all new ring which will link future beyond the bell podcast, as well as our ring on YouTube page, a direct link to all YouTube videos, which will correlate with beyond the bell, such as videos that will synchronize and coincide with theme shows of beyond the bell. You'll be able to watch videos that are related to the theme content of each and every Beyond the Bell episode. So fans, we'll see you next week, or should I say in just a few days, as we rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling and celebrate WrestleMania season here at Beyond the Bell. I'll see you at the matches.